welcome to a brand new episode of Markers on the Map. Each week it's games, news, and more from the classics to the current gen as we explore gaming's infinite ever-changing landscape. Check out the gaming adventure on Twitter at Markers on the Map, and thanks for listening. First off, Happy New Year for Markers on the Map, the weekly podcast gaming adventure. My name is Daniel. As always, I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Robert. And it must be asked after our week off. How you been? Pretty good, actually. It's been pretty, pretty alright, but like in a good way. It's like nothing's really going mean or weird or anything like that. So I've been pretty good. How have you been? I've been alright. I had a very enjoyable uh, Christmas and New Year was interesting. Uh, to say the least, and yeah, uh, we are going to kind of get started really early on in this episode because we've got a lot to talk about today. Um, we're going to do our top 10 plays of the year uh, for 2022. Now, if you have been listening to Markers on the Map or if you are new to the podcast, maybe this is your first episode, the way that Robert and I approach a top 10, like a top 10 games of the year list is to do, since Markers on the Map does play a variety of games, old and new, um, we tend to do a top 10 plays. So something on our list could be a game from years and years ago that we uh, either played for the first time this past year or played for the first time this year. Um, and I think that's fair game. Because I think for for a gaming podcast that, that does have that, that, that years-wide scope... Um, it's important to have, you know, games from, you know, 1999 be eligible uh, if we're just playing them for the first time this year. Yeah. We usually have Gamekeeper, Green Badoof, and Blastwave here, but they're out looking for, for traces of Moon Yeller. I feel like we're nearing Moon Yeller, and we'll find him at some point, get out of Gameland Forest. But for right now, um, why don't we start with our honorable mentions? Um now, in, in years past, I've had, like, quite a few. Like, I remember last year I had, like, five or six, maybe. Um, I only have two this year. I decided to do one from PlayStation and one from the Switch. I mean, I only have, like, one, so it's not going to be any issue for me to just say my one. But I guess, what's what's your Switch one? I might know. No, I don't know what your PlayStation one is going to be either. But what, what's your Switch honorable mention? Uh, my Switch honorable mention is Pokemon Legends Arceus, mm-hmm. a game that came out really early in 2022. Uh, it was the first... It, it, I wouldn't call it the first open world Pokemon game. I'd, I'd call it more open area because it did have l- giant monster hunter like hubs that you go in. Um, each one had a different like a different group of Pokemon that you could go catch. Um, it took place in the past. It was kind of like a prequel to Diamond and Pearl. Um, it was very good. It, it did interesting things with the Pokedex, like turning it into like a full on research thing where you'd see like um, have this Pokemon use this type of attack or have this Pokemon defeat this one with with a quick attack or, or one of the stronger attacks. Um, sometimes you would have tasks to like capture a certain number of Pokemon uh, or, or defeat a certain number of Pokemon and you would get more information on that. It, it took a very like checklisty, but like I will call it the arcadey version of a Pokemon game. 
where you have little tasks that you can do that, you know, are just kind of like dopamine hits. And the story was really good on top of that. Probably, I mean, I wouldn't say it's Pokemon's best now, but I mm. would say when it came out, it was Pokemon's best. Because <laughs> I happen to have some thoughts about the, the story in the new Pokemon game that are very positive. Um, but overall, it, it it had a fair bit of, like, difficulty towards the end game. Um, you know, I've talked about this on the podcast, like, when it back when it came out. But I, I just found it to be... Um, contained and charming it wasn't like too overwhelming Mm -hmm. um but i I put on the honorable mentions because i haven't gotten to capture rcs yet because i haven't fully completed the pokedex it's just something that enough games came out like straight up after it that i was like okay i gotta move on so it's on my list of games to kind of go back to this year Uh um what was your honorable mention honorable mentions one is because i have uh we're, I have a very uh, weird relationship with it. It is Fall Guys. I think it probably was in my top 10 last year. I try not to put repeating top 10s because I feel like, well, if obviously it's been my top 10, I'm still enjoying it. The only time I'll, I'll say I'm stopped playing a game is, is with on the podcast. I'll say, yeah, I stopped playing that like months ago or whatever. But honorable mention because sometimes I'm, at, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm having a good time. And then other times I'm just having frustrations because of just like weird mechanics and just like all this stuff i'm just like ah like it's a weird way where it's like i like it but i'm also stressed about it because you know how i feel about team games and just relying on randoms to do certain challenges and it's interesting because team games show up in the modes we usually play which is duos Mm -hmm. and squads but they don't show up in solos but now solos has that skill-based matchmaking that kind of (laughs) oh yeah i love fall guys and and when the two of us get on fall guys we we seem to usually have a good time there are times when we're like okay what is going on with like the matchmaking or like these grabbers or stuff like that yeah sometimes we'll be like the greatest fall guys players we'll we'll be winning matches back to back to back and then other times it's just that we won't win we won't win a single match and that would be a weekly challenge to do (laughs) That one week where I was like, yes. "Can we please just get one one win here?" And we didn't. And it, oh, I mean, we did. I mean, we probably did, but it took I forever. did at the last possible moment. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, that's that's my whole like uh, deal with Fall Guys. I'm just like it's a iffy relationship, I guess. At this point, it's like sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, but most of the time it's good. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> anyway, my other honorable mention is something mm-hmm. I played on the PS5 this year. I talked about it um, fairly recently. Gotham Knights. Um, ah, now, Gotham did. Knights is not a perfect game. Um, it's not even, you know, a great game. But for what it was, it was what I needed to be playing at the time when it came out. It was kind of a slow point of mm. the year. I needed something where I could just have a little mindless beat-em-up and the, the, the exploration and, you know, crime-solving aspect of it where you go out and you track down the, the crimes and then you come back the next night and do your little checklists, basically, your little dopamine hits, mm-hmm. um, was, was really engaging for me. What really stops it from being great on, on console is the unfortunate... Uh, fact that it is 30 frames on console so mm-hmm. i'm still hoping that maybe in the in the future they'll do a 60 frames patch i'm not super holding my breath for it um they recently added some new dlc heroic assault um it's kind of meant to be played a, a, in a group um so it's probably not something i will you know frequent because i i view gotham knights personally as a solo game but i'm interested in returning to level up my other characters i I played as batgirl and tried out red hood but i've never even tried robin or nightwing yet so there's still a Uh lot of variety to be had um 
but ultimately it, it's in honorable mentions because I, you know, you know how many pl- games I played <laughs> last oh, year. Oh, this we're not going to say year. we're not going to say um, that number here, but it was a lot. And and find but but finding ten games was easier than ever. Ten quality games, I mm-hmm. think. Uh, so yeah, with the honorable mentions out of the way. What say you, Robert, we get into our first half, our 10 through 6 this week? All right. You want to start it off, or how you want to do this? I don't know. Would you rather start off, or want me to start it off? Uh, Flip a coin. Which what you choose? Do you have a coin on you? I actually do have a coin on me. All right. Heads. Heads it is. All right. I guess I'll go first. All right. <laughs> All right. For me, doing the top 10 was not as hard but as usual, the 10 through 6 was a bit harder. Mm-hmm. And my list has gone through some alterations since we first uh, discussed our list for this year. Um, the reason that I have this game as number 10 is because it is the only game on the list which I did not excitedly return to go finish or complete or continue to talk about. As a matter of fact, a lot of my things that I've been talking about after I finished it are complaints but we're going to keep it positive for today. Mm-hmm. Number 10 is God of War Ragnarok. Really? The, the beginning of what may be a controversial top 10 That <laughs> seems very controversial at, in a general sense, but from what you played, it well, it's not it's controversial on anyone's top 10, but I think it's sort of more or less like, well, it's just that you just have a certain style and taste to gaming. Especially at what you've played this year, I can understand why it's in your top 10. Like, it's number 10. Yeah. Um, so, focusing on the positives, this is the greatest story in games that I've played this year. Um, it matches up with some of the, the classic stories in games in, in terms of how much I enjoyed them. Like, A Ghost of Tsushima, God of War 2018, Last of Us. All those games have great stories, but this one falls more into the Last of Us issue in that my problems with the gameplay. Um, so, focusing on story, performances are all well done, well acted. There's jaw-dropping moments, um, maybe not graphically, but jaw-dropping moments in what characters say or how a line is delivered. Uh-huh. Or, you know, there's emotional moments that have a big payoff. As it was a cross PS4, PS5 game, so it makes yeah. sense why it wouldn't be that much of a graphics uh, graphical like impact i can see that well on the same like on on the other side of that the game is meant to like everything in the game is in service of keeping it kind of quieter Uh it's not a loud um extravaganza of a game it's a heartfelt kind of game um because like the 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 horizon 2 was also a Mm cross-gen but horizon 2 to me has the best graphics i've ever seen in a game so like when i say like it's not a graphical extra extravaganza um it's because the story wants it to be more you know quiet and not like oh i'm gonna defeat this and that and the other thing it's like no we're gonna have a moment here um it's got some like tv drama quality writing the gameplay is fine it's traversal that really bothers me and a Mm -hmm. couple of narrative points where the game does slow to a crawl and it just keeps going and going and going um, I feel like the game could probably be maybe 30% shorter and be, you know, a masterpiece. Um, the gameplay uh, builds off of what we had in 2018, 
um, while adding a few surprises that are definitely my favorite part of the game. Uh, but as it stands, number 10 is God of War Ragnarok. All right. Your number 10. Uh, number 10 is pretty... For me, this top 10 this year was pretty much a struggle. To, so it's going to be kind of here and there. Uh, but my t- top 10 for this year is a game that came out this year, and that's uh, Wonderlands, which came out th- midway through the last year. Sort Actually, of. I just reinstalled Wonderlands before we got on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Wonderlands, I guess, positives. Positive, it's kind of going off the best DLC Borderlands ever did, number two, and that's obviously uh, Tina's Dungeons & Dragons DLC. And, it, you know, it's basically meant to be that game, you know, amplified, you know, really going at it. The story and writing for a rated T game actually doesn't feel no different than the rated M Borderlands game. The writing's pretty well, especially a certain character like Mr. Torg that if you know his vocabulary, it's kind of like how would they have him in it? And they kind of figured out a really brilliant way to do it, and I really actually do like it because it's kind of a funny joke. The writing is pretty good. I would say it's one of the best writings they've done in a while. Absolutely. And more or less, the sort of... So I, I really do like the environments, especially the pirate area when we mm-hmm. get to it. It does have really, really nice environments and like enemies. A lot of variants compared to the previous games, which is pretty much stuck on Pandora, and then we kind of go across, but just the same variants, just different. But fighting planets. Malawan guys on like three different planets in Borderlands 3 was kind exactly. of silly. Yeah, it's like, yeah, they may be a different planet, but it's a still type, the same, it's still the same enemy type. This actually has like different enemy types and, and unique to certain locations. But positives, yeah, it's like, it's pretty decent, pretty good Borderlands, but I think that's also kind of the negative. It's decent. The decency with this game is that. It's sort of having that idea of building a character, but I don't know. Something about Borderlands, it's just more fun to pick a preset, pretty well-written character. Because you can find a character that kind of speaks for you and their kind of design of their type of skill tree. Like, you look at Brick. Brick is like the strong, tall, brutal, like just going at it, punching at everything style. And there's going to be people who are like that. Or Mordecai sort of the long distance, take your time and, you know, deal damage from afar. It's going to really appeal to a lot of people. And that's what I really liked about the Borderlands franchise, that each character can fill in someone's role of what they want to be. Yeah. You'd rather have that, you'd rather have a few really good choices than a whole bunch of choices that you can get to work, but you've got too much... For Borderlands, we've been trained, especially after 3, to accept that, like, there are four classes. Uh-huh. In this, there's four times four times four, because you can mix and match abilities. Yeah, it, it's sort of like that was my one of my issues, that I just really miss those kind of very well-written characters. Number two, I would say, are the weapons. This game is heavily, heavily implied to be melee combat, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, swords and shields and stuff like that. And not necessarily having traditional, uh, you know, ammunition weapons. You get, you get crossbows instead of, you know, your standard pistol and stuff like that. But it's sort of weird because the 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 sword and melee weapons are kind of whatever. They're kind of... I haven't really used them that much. I think they should have really emphasized on a sword and shield combat and really emphasize on the melee weapons. And that's pretty much where I would go with it because I feel like they emphasize more on the guns instead of really emphasizing on what it should have been, which is like the swords and shields and maybe, you know, a mace or something like that. Just some, It was just kind of like this. the sword just felt like a cool idea that was kind of like 
oh yeah you can act now can actually have a sword weapon but like they really wanted to focus on the just the regular guns but sort of make them weird medieval thing which is not necessarily bad i think the smgs are really good in this game but weapons like the shotgun or snipers or anything like that are kind of like whatever you yeah really remember towards the beginning like of the SMGs. game's release a lot of things were kind of like busted in that regard like mm-hmm. you'd only be using pistols for like all four of my weapon slots were at one point mm-hmm. were just pistols exactly <laughs> like it was mostly pistol which is kind of kind of also like oh that's a bummer because borderlands 3 had a lot of variants of weapons and i think that was much more preferable there's so much weapons you can go through and it's just i don't know it's just like i miss that the pistols are pretty good but they're kind of all the same type crossbows not really having any type of you know things here and there but other than that i'm trying to think of anything else really like kind of negative about it i i pretty much that's like pretty much it i maybe maybe the end game dlc and maybe like the end game like like kind of missions are kind of whatever they should just maybe done the the, basically the end game mission should have been emphasized a little bit more just a tad bit and i think it could have been good but i found myself beating this game and then just not coming back even even with all the kind of the new game plus stuff i don't think i even touched the dlc yet at all yeah the dlc is nothing to write home about exactly that's like like spoiler alert this game is on my list later on but not the dlc <laughs> no the dlc I, I heard was not good and that kind of disappointed i was like all oh, that really does kind of bite i really very wish upsetting the DLC was, dlc because <laughs> borderlands always has honestly really good dlc it does but more or less i i enjoyed it while i can and you know if we were to get back on i wouldn't mind going back on it yeah well i reinstalled it lo and behold there we go <laughs> shall we do our number nine we can do number nine number nine a game that came out again earlier this year for the switch kirby in the forgotten land mm-hmm. this is the first kind of like 3d platformer mm. kirby um not in like the sense that it's a you know banjo kazooie collectathon uh-huh. um but more in the sense that like these are kirby levels where you can move in on a 3d space rather than just a 2d space mm-hmm. um what makes Kirby in the Forgotten Land so good is its aesthetic, while charming, also brought, like, a new layer of, like, oddities to the Kirby world. Like, this is a whole, like, eerie, abandoned mall, stuff like that. Um, the bosses were grandiose and different. There were copy abilities that were familiar, and then you could evolve them, which added on to, like, oh, I've got these challenges that I could do that requires this ability, and uh, uh, if I go find this amount of Waddle Dees hidden at a level, like, there's your collectathon aspect. You've got Waddle Dees hidden in mm-hmm. every level. You can return to them as many times as you want and go find some new ones to purchase upgrades for your abilities to the point where you've got, like, Sword Kirby, but then you've got Giant Sword Kirby, or you've got uh, the Ice Skater Kirby, or you've got, like, uh, like a... a a stronger version of the ice kirby or like the 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 cowboy kirby could be like a space cadet by the end um so it it was fresh throughout while the levels were charming never too difficult because it's a kirby game and then you have this like crazy lore ultimate like end of the universe villain at the end as all these kirby games do um it was the first kirby game where i was actually able to go in and beat the boss rush um, it's something that I would later do on the hardest difficulty on, on Star Allies uh, later in the year after after Forgotten Land. But um, like it was a struggle, sure. But mm-hmm. I, I did have a ton of fun doing it, mostly because it wasn't you know, it's not something that I had to do a bunch of times. I, I did have some like game overs to it. But 
everything from the graphics to the colors, the music, everything about this game is very vivid. It pops. You've got the mouthful mode, which gives um, new layers of gameplay beyond just like transform abilities and like defeating enemies, like the light bulb one. There's there's a maze area where you have to light the way by by um, using the light bulb. Kirby sometimes they'll turn into a vending machine that can shoot cans at targets. Sometimes you'll be a little like bookcase that can fall down, so like you can get something behind a wall hidden secrets everywhere um definitely one of the best kirby games to date um i don't really think there's been a kirby game in like the main series that's been a mm-hmm. miss for me but this one is super special because it was just like something new rather than just your usual two was kirby what type of 3d platform there's i believe there's two types there's mario odyssey and then 3d land from those two how would you compare this, this is like land? 3d land okay basically whereas odyssey i would say is more like a 64 uh huh. Yeah, because it's funny how even in the open world 3D genre, there's like levels to it. There's like your Grand Theft Auto, Tomorrow Odyssey to like 3D world and stuff like that, where it's like it can be very yeah. open world or it could be kind of semi open world like Sonic for- uh, Frontiers. Yeah, this was more along the lines of 3D world or even Galaxy, where mm-hmm. you're not going to hubs and doing missions. You're doing very specific levels. Mm-hmm. Um kind of like a mario 3d land for the 3ds it's like you are doing very specific levels and then returning to a world map it'd be like initially i did think this would be more like your sunshine where you have a hub world and you go into like different areas and do missions kind of like mario 64 and and odyssey but um maybe they'll do something like that with kirby in the future it certainly would be kind of cool to have like like I, I played a little bit of ukulele the original recently i'm like wouldn't it be cool to have a kirby game that's like banjo kazooie except you know not as hard <laughs> anyway what's your number nine robert my number nine is a game that we both played and honestly looking back on it i honestly really enjoyed it some hiccups some things we'll get to but my number nine is alien fire team elite oh a good game the best way i can describe fire team elite is sort of like left for dead but also those alien arcade games you see at your movie theater or arcade places you know what i mean it's kind of like kind of go in protect this zone going you know you doing some real bug hunting getting rid of some bugs and it's it's just it's just good shoot 'em up fun it's nothing wrong with it Uh, i'll get to the good but i guess i gotta emphasize the bad it's very minimal but it is sort of like it's got to be the checkpoints right it's the (laughs) checkpoints and how difficult it can be it's sort of like the checkpoints you can't start at a certain checkpoint you can't come back at a certain checkpoint you have to finish it throughout the whole way through so you got to get a buddy or a team that's willing to go through this you know one sitting and like kind of not really muck about too much it's like we can muck about but we can't muck about to the point where we're all down or we're, we're messing up too much and the checkpoints aren't you know we're not hitting the right type of checkpoints it's sort of like that type, type of negative uh, negativity it's like it's just like, you know, it could be easier. You could have better checkpoints here and there. We could, you know, why we have to start all the way back here? We could just start right here. And those are kind of the big, like, negatives. And then maybe some of, you know what's funny? <laughs> I like how I didn't upgrade or didn't change my weapons at all. And I was wondering. And then you told me how to right after we finished it. I said, this is how you like, change your weapons and add all these upgrades to it. And I was like, I know. I kind of beat it on sort of vanilla-esque weapons. You know, a little upgrades here and there, but nothing cr- too crazy but that that's kind of the big uh back to it like the uh, this is kind of this is you know a little difficult you know could have better checkpoints but the positives like i said it's a good shoot 'em up just kind of 
have your friends have a good time just going around doing waves of enemies and the enemy variants are actually pretty well especially like the the stealth attack you know grab you grapple type of alien they're like peeking corners yeah. and kind of get you and it honestly has pretty good storyline the worst enemy is funny it's the robots the enemies are the uh the, i mean the robots are the worst enemy gotta bring out that electric ammo for the robots that oh, laser man. ammo <laughs> it's so difficult the best ability was that turret you can get as like a as a, yes. as a uh an ability that was the best one because you could lay those down take out a couple enemies for you is very well done but like i said it's a mixture kind of like those arcade games but it's not first person. It is a third person game. I don't remember it even gave you. A f- there wasn't a first person option, right? No, it wasn't like remember. Battlefront where you could switch between mm-hmm. first and third person. It was but strictly third person. I think for me, that was a plus after, you know, so much first person games. It's yeah. kind of like finally a third person game after a while. Because I really don't play, you know. It's funny. You know, it's so funny. Every time. I get my yearly PlayStation review. It's always shooters as my top game, but it's never my favorite type of game to go through. It's just, you know, it so happens to be the one. But for this one... Probably because there's so many of them. Exactly. It's just like there's so many of them that most people just kind of go towards that. But Alien Fireteam Lee is honestly a pretty good time. I enjoyed it. I wouldn't mind honestly doing another run. I I, I really liked it. I want to play the DLC one of these days. That DLC looks really cool. I mean, yeah. and I couldn't complain with more aliens. Also, I have to mention the the little noise that it makes when you get a headshot on an alien in that game. Ooh, oh, every game should have something that dope <laughs> when you get a oh, headshot. No. In the I game. mean, it's it's sort of just like Alien is my favorite horror movie. Like monster and sort of like movie so it's like it i just really am forgiving on some things i know colonial marines i would never forgive that game i know how terrible that game was but this is like you know what this is pretty good yeah it was a it was like a very competently made like your double a fair but it was like oh it's a double sometimes you need a game that has like that heart to it Mm mm-hmm like, I felt the heart from, like, the level design and the enemy design in that. So, sometimes you don't need a big AAA game to, to, to satisfy. Better better than Back for Blood. That's all I got to say. Yeah, I, absolutely. As somebody who's played Back for we Blood. We played it, yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, number eight is a little interesting because I think you and I have the same number eight. <laughs> oh, do you think? No, I think we both know. I guess we can say this is both on number eight. We can just go yes. back and forth on it. Both of us have the same number eight. Stray, let me tell you, Stray. Cat game, Cat game everybody. Man, Stray, it finally came out. It was glorious, to say the it least. It was. Uh, I really enjoyed the vibe of the game especially that kind of neon city i really liked it mm-hmm. everything about the game is just i could say in one word it's sort of just cute the way you yeah. can be a cat and it actually like does cat things like instead of you know being a, a regular size and like ca- character like a person where you know you're climbing mountains to get a certain objective you're climbing just like a bookshelf to get certain things in this game it really doesn't have you doing like this like magnificent adventure it does actually have just like it's sort of like you just have to know how it feels like to have a cat and you kind of understand what cats can get to and it just really just does that and the cat will never jump 
further than a cat would be able to jump either it's like you yeah. are making these jump like it will the game will often auto jump for you but it will never auto jump like you won't be able to fall from a high up place because a mm-hmm. cat wouldn't look down and say oh let me just jump down here jump- um <laughs> it had some light puzzle solving it felt mm-hmm. like the cat game 3d version of like a point and click adventure where sometimes you'd i can be see that items mm-hmm. to another character um sometimes you'd be bringing multiple things to one place or like or like a link's awakening style like oh i'll give you this because this person needs this if you bring oh. me that and then you know one of those things like it the does stra- have that straw point click, yeah like uh like monkey island or sure oh what's what's another like famous point and click game there was a recent oh like what's it called like uh, i'm trying to remember it i can't remember i'm thinking about that one on the switch with the stick figures that i cannot remember the name i can't yeah i can't remember but there's (laughs) i know what you mean it is exactly like that it's more of a more open sort of free world-esque sandbox point and click game it's the kind of is the best way to put it 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 felt very open while also being very contained at the same time I would say that the only real part that I didn't like about Stray was towards the end. There was a couple of really long stealth sections where one Mm. mistake meant redoing the whole thing. And these were not, you know, two minute segments. They were like 10 minute segments. Opposite problems because I really don't mind that. It's sort of that's how we're like, that's how it shows like how different that part is to remind me. My issues with it sort of was just kind of like, I understand not a long game is not a good game but i feel like this game could have gone for a little bit longer than what it was i thought it was a reasonable length like i thought they accomplished what they needed to i beat it in one day so yeah it's definitely like a a four hour sit game you can beat it in the afternoon it's easy um puzzles aren't difficult at all you kind of want to explore around and kind of see it's not like puzzles you have to look a guide for it's kind of like no okay like Put yourself in like a perspective of like oh, if I was a cat, you I have a cat. What does my cat knock over? Where does my cat go? It's gonna most likely be there. Like an example of a puzzle is like the guy, the robot at the bar, and he's asleep even though they're robots. He's asleep. He's playing that role. It sort of has that where the cat can go up a shelf and push a, a empty case of bottles on him. Mm-hmm. And I feel like cats have completely done that with things. They'll go up a shelf and just knock something over. And it's just like, it's just like, okay, yeah, like I can see how this is. Like, I don't know if there's any game like this that is really emphasis on a real life cat physics. Yeah, I don't, there not, are not at cats. least in the AAA space or like, yeah. you know, cause like this is considered an indie, but it feels like it got more coverage than most indies do. I think cause it really was the cat physics is that it's yeah. now we're trying we're not no bubsy 3d this is like actual cat 3d this is like what if bubsy was actually a, just a regular cat going on adventures <laughs> pilot's license what for <laughs> pilot's license what for oh another aspect i liked about the exploration is like in in games like this you can find the answers to salute like to to problems that you actually haven't you know you you can find the answer to something before you get to the question and then when the question is asked you're like oh i know exactly where to go get that or i've seen this i'll go back to this shop and like the the open city portion Mm -hmm. of the game towards the end some light combat mechanics and chase scenes were also very cool in this with those little like blob things Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and like 
the story was very cute, very heartfelt. Very grim. Um, Cat and his little robot friend. Very grim. It's sort of weird that this game got very grim towards the middle. Yeah, it, it had some moments. Yeah, I mean, oh god, Stray. Let me tell you something about. Pretty Stray. good. I would. I wouldn't mind to see how the way it ended. I wouldn't be a shred of a doubt if they would want to do a sequel. I, it's not like out of possibility. I absolutely think they should. It's very good. Uh, so yeah, that was both of our number eight. Oh, what about number seven? Oh, what do you have? For what seven? about number seven? You say it's like, well, Robert, what did you, what did you get? <laughs> we, I seven? think we have the same number seven too. Ooh, Tell them what get... it is, Robert. Oh, I got, I got Shadow Warrior three. Shadow Warrior three. Oh man. Let me tell you the one thing I hate about Shadow Warrior 3. It came out this year, but there's no PS5 version. <laughs> oh, no. This is my negative about the game. is It was on it for a certain period of time, and I was on like the last couple minutes. I cannot do a new game plus on it. But yeah. Shadow Warrior 3, I, I've always said this. When I saw Ghost Runner, I always said this game looks interesting. I maybe want to try it. It looks like an interesting game, Doom esque, you know, like that first person fast paced shooter. But when I played it, the thing that really bugged me is not the difficulty, it's the controls. And I couldn't change them. But I, I'm not the type of person that is like, oh, let me go to my PlayStation and, you know, you know change the controls and that. I know that's possible, but it's sort of like I have to not only get out the game, go to my settings, change it put it and then once i'm done with that game have to put it back and if i don't put it back i'll forget it go to another game and then i wish they let you save presets exactly i wish there was like presets and you put like ghost runner preset or this game pre like you can put like presets on what you want that's my biggest issue i feel like a game i I didn't like the dying in one hit in ghost runner just putting that out there that that was probably the challenge but it's just nevertheless i didn't get into it because the controls and it really bugged me Shadow Warrior 3 is what I wish Ghost Runner was like a hundred times over. It's such a great game. So Shadow Warrior 3 did not get the best reviews because How? they said, oh, it was like too linear, too safe. I'm like, dude, that's why you play Shadow Warrior 3 to have Doom, except not have to deal with all the like puzzle stuff in the two recent Doom games. This is a straight up roller coaster of a game. <laughs> Maybe not the puzzle part, but I think the difficulty from the enemy fights are still there. I don't know what they mean by it being easy, safe. I think the the some of the I think the bosses are easy. I could give you that, but more or less the enemy waves and sort of some areas. I I didn't you know I ended up dying and having to reset in certain parts. That wasn't yeah, like, me too. I, super I think easy. by safe they meant like it wasn't doing anything differently than just being a linear first person shooter. But that's so the hard. good thing about it. Because I'm reviewing this as, like, I'd rather have a game play it safe in the sense of, you know what, if it worked, let's just emphasize it. I'd rather have that yes. than them trying something and it failing. Because then it's like, now it's like, a failed could game. you imagine Shadow Warrior 3 having, like, a loot system where you'd constantly have to be pausing the action? That would, like, completely just drain the game away. Like, oh, I gotta stop, pause the game and do this. Like, it would have just not made anything better plus they already did that in shadow warrior 2 so shadow warrior 3 is perfect as it is being just like a roller coaster literally it's a i guess that is the best way to push out Warrior 3 it is a roller coaster of fun negatives another one of those it's kind of short you can beat it in an afternoon some parts may could be kind of repetitive i can see that but more or less it's like 
but it's sort of like that's kind of what I want right now. It's like I don't it really want to do It was too brief, so I think, for anything to be super repetitive. The game was constantly throwing mm-hmm. new weapons at you, and when you got a new weapon, it let you try it. It didn't say collect this weapon. It All gave you the, the weapon the, and gave you a full display of what the capabilities the en- the of enemy that finishers? weapon are. I can't stop getting over the enemy finisher, and then you get a weapon yeah. out of it to use for a it's while. Amazing. That was really good. It's this is just a fun game. I think the best way to review is just this is just a fun game. If you if you like Doom, if you like those type of games, definitely play this. I would recommend it. It's- Additionally, the platforming, top notch platforming in this. It was so fun. Not it just adds on to that Smooth. roller coaster like aspect of it. Um, they, oh, it was just, oh, it's so good. It I, I want to play it again. <laughs> Smooth. They took it off PS Plus after we played exactly. it. <laughs> I'll probably pick it up if it's ever $10. Yeah, same here. Um, I guess one negative, there was one checkpoint towards the end that was like a 20-minute fight that had no checkpoints. Mm-hmm. That is like my one negative about Shadow Warrior 3. Otherwise, from the story to the platforming to the gunplay, the enemy great. variety, and just the graphics in general and the smooth 60 frames, this is what a first-person shooter uh, single-player game needs to be every time, every single time. So that was number seven. I think that may be the last game on either of our top tens that we share. Probably, but we're on to our final uh, on the list, and that would be number six. We could make this sort of the number one of this, obviously, part. Number one of the the first (laughs) top. The first part, Number six. Number six. All right. Number six. For me, Mm. I play a lot of beat-em-ups. I don't know why Mm. I'm not very good at them. But mm-hmm. I like when you can like go into the Wait, settings and give yourself a bunch of lives is, or. Is your number six mode. a beat em up? My number six is a beat em up. My number six is a beat em up. But it's, it's not, not the same. same <laughs> but it's a beat em up. Um, so with that stage set, a beat em up came out this year that was not only cool, but not was it rad? Like arcade hard. It wasn't. Hard. It was easy enough in the sense where I could beat this game and really enjoy doing all the moves and everything without like banging my head against the controller saying, "Why am I losing so many lives?" And mm-hmm. this is the true refinement, in my opinion, of the beat 'em up genre, which all beat 'em ups from this point should be building off of. This is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Shredder's uh, Revenge. Okay, I, I was thinking. I was for some reason thinking something else. This is a love letter to the TMNT games of old and the beat em up mm-hmm. genre in general. Um, you've got seven playable characters, the Turtles, Splinter, Casey Jones, and April. All of them have different stats, unique movesets. You can level them up as you go through the story or just play arcade mode where everybody has you know, a standard stock character online. There are really cool super moves that you can pull off. There are like 14 incredibly designed stages with T. Lopes's pumping soundtrack playing through each of it uh, with like the the mall level being like a highlight for me. Bosses that are both familiar and really niche characters in the Ninja Turtles canon. Um, bosses, like usually in, in, in beat-em-up games, bosses are like the part that I dread. But in this, they were easy and fun enough to like enjoy replaying the game seven times because that's what i had to do to get my platinum trophy because mm-hmm. you have to level up all seven characters so if i play a game seven times even if this game is you know two and a half hours it's a good game in my opinion mm-hmm. there's even a a song by the the wu-tang clan that they wrote for this oh game. no way um, when you when you fight against shredder the wu-tang 
<laughs> yeah, we're going to have to play this sometime because I, I we're going to have to share play this or I something because you need to play this game. <laughs> I love the Wu-Tang Clan. Now I'm interested. Now I really want to get to this. Yeah. Um, I think the only drawback to this game was that there is no playable Shredder, but like maybe they'll add Aww. DLC in the future. Um, they did just come out with a, a PS5 version of the of the game. Um, but yeah, the execution of moves, the dodges, the dashes, the the flawless transition from sliding into punching or jumping, double jumping to dodge and crashing down with you know Leonardo's sword crash or each turtle having their own kind of unique move set like. It's such a great beat em up. It is the pinnacle of the genre. I've never played a beat em up that's better than this. And I'm talking even Streets of Rage 4, because Streets of Rage 4 has some of that unfair arcade like difficulty on its easiest mode, whereas this is just an enjoyable romp where you don't have to worry about messing with the settings the whole time. I, I this this came out kind of towards when we were doing like the the episode 100 stuff so i didn't really get the chance to talk about it much but we will talk about this more at some point favorite turtle leonardo leonardo's your favorite tur- interesting i would th- i would expect the michelangelo i like the swords what about you favorite turtle Raphael. oh well, Raphael. he's my second favorite I love uh, shout out to rob paulson and the rest of the cast who rob did come paulson. back to voice the turtles in this game that was really good that's i mean it just it looks just like Turtles in Time, which was such a. It's funny how Turtles in Time was sort of like this how beat 'em up games should be, and mm-hmm. they kind of were. And now years later, you're like definitely should other beat 'em up games if they ever go forward need to be like like this. Any criticism I have would come from maybe one of the levels is too long and should have been two. But people do complain mm-hmm. that it's a long beat em up when it should be, you know, short. Like, I just played the takeover. I beat it in one sitting. But I'm like, it's got a world map and a level select. It's like, it's I fine. Think <laughs> at big, I mean, back in the day, a beat em up should be 30 minutes. Yeah. That's how much you would spend at an arcade. minute an hour, 30 minutes an hour. Um, but, I mean, modern day safe states come, coming back to playing other games i don't think being too long is necessarily a problem yeah it was never a problem for me and like i said i beat this game seven maybe eight times because i i replayed it um at one point um got the platinum what a great game this is a great game (laughs) (laughs) anyway you said you had a beat-em-up for number six too robert whatever six is a number is a beat-em-up now this is the perfect example of games that necessarily not need to be on modern day consoles. This is something I've owned from my childhood. This is Spawn. Oh, I mean, let me give you the full title: Todd McFarlane Spawn for the Ooh. Super Nintendo. This Todd is not McFarlane <laughs> Spawn. It is not an easy beat 'em up. I, I tell you, when I was doing this back in the day. Like, I would get so frustrated and be stuck on just one part. And I, every time and every time after, I would just keep going, going, and it's always the same part I get stuck in. And I'm just like, I don't think I could ever beat this game. Years go by, and, you know, I'm looking at videos. And say, I wonder how many other people have played this game. A couple here and there. You know, your speed runs here and there. But it's more or less I figured out Spawn actually does have, like, abilities. He actually has – because in the comic books – he has, you know, his powers, you know, teleportation, fireballs, you know, all all this cool stuff he has in comic books. And it's just like, man, I really wish the game had this. Turns out the game does have it. It's implemented. The problem is it's like a fighting game. 
it's like quarter circle and then lower punch and then like full circle, half circle, heavy kick, stuff like that. And I understand how that may be difficult, but looking at the mindset when it was released, you know, early 90s, it's definitely one of those, they didn't want kids to finish it in a weekend. It's a beat up They didn't want, you know, a 30-minute game, you know, to be 30 minutes. They wanted, all right, let's take this 30-minute game and have it be, you know, a whole weekend. How can we do that? Have power-ups, but make it actual, like, fighting mechanic games. Because most kids aren't reading the manuals or they ever rented it out. It didn't come with the manual with the instructions on how to do these specials. So that's sort of, I guess, my, you know, negative to it. It is very difficult. It's, you know, 90s, old-school, Super Nintendo difficult. But mm-hmm. when I tell you, after, it's kind of like, you know, you finally achieve it. You finally beat it. I'm telling you, I went from hours to this game to beating this game in 25 minutes. It's like, once you kind of know how to perform these special moves, you are blasting through enemies like it's nothing. And I've never seen a beat-em-up game that has such a crazy storyline where Spawn starts in the alley of the city. And I'm telling you, he ends in the deep part he has to fight the main villain of the comics, Malbolgia. Like his main, like his, like basically his mentor and his creator. And it just gets that crazy. And the enemy variants, it's like, yeah, you can tell they're sort of like the easy, fast, low health, but pretty fast damage guy. Medium damage, you know, pretty fast. And you got the heavy, but high damage, slow enemy. But there's just so many variants of those type of enemies. And they're so designed so well. Spawn himself, you look at his sprite, any of those sprites in the game, but especially Spawn, it's super well done. And it has that sort of, if you're a Spawn fan... There's only like two games that kind of do it well, and that is Spawn Armageddon for the PS2, which is a Devil May Cry s game, and then you got this game, which is a beat 'em up game, not a 3D move around up and down. Yeah, 3D I was gonna say it's a two, it's a it's a one it's a playing beat 'em up. Yeah, and like I think the, that the Ninja works. Saviors or whatever it's called. That works definitely for the fighting game aspect, like a quarter circle yeah. do this. It's so I'm telling you, I've never gone back. And just have so much fun in a game that used to give me so much difficult, like so much problems. I was just like, oh, this game's such a problem, and I really, and I really like Spawn, but this game is, is so difficult. But now I'm like, oh, I love this game. I, I like, I actually do like the whole like fighting game mechanical part because it does really cool weapons, and like I see new things here and there with like speed runs. But I will say, if this game was released to modern day, which I, you know, dream, that's dream, probably will never happen, but that's my dream. It's, it's released modern day with, you know, graphical upgrade. The music is pretty good in this game. Um, I think the special move should be done with, like, hold, lower punch, lower kick, and then maybe, like, forward or something like that. Just something more simple, you know, not so difficult because it really takes it from, if you don't know these special moves, it's a hard game, but if you know these special moves, you can beat it in 30 minutes. It's a quick, simple game, but it's a nice, colorful, well-designed, crafted game. Yeah. Most uh, beat-em-ups from that era have a certain charm to them, Mm -hmm. um, with, you know, big, colorful sprites, like in uh, Streets of Rage 2, or the like. Um, And... Yeah, I guess <laughs> I was thinking last year was really the year of going back and beating those Super Nintendo games that you were never able to beat before, like Spawn in Jurassic Park. <laughs> oh, we did that. That was actually... Man, I should have put that as my honorable mention, actually. that You know what? I'll probably get there. Honorable mention is Jurassic Park. I finally beat it, another one. But that game was just too difficult because it doesn't give you a how-to guide. We had to go off instructions and, like, where to go. It's so funny. Yeah, if you go listen to episode 100, we did a whole, like, 30 minutes on it. <laughs> it's so funny because 
I like how it just worked so well because I played like Jurassic Park, going off a little bit, but Jurassic Park I played so much, so I know the layout of the map. You don't, so you would just be like, go to this part, and you're just like, you don't know where it's at. I'd be like, I know where it's at. And you just see me just walk past, like, wow, you memorized this map. I do remember that map. I'm telling you, I played it so much. It, it really was a year, but that spawn game, I've seen you play it once. Um, oh, it's so much fun. One day I'm going really to have to try it myself because it's you, difficult. you only me. have praise for that game. Like, when we get into our beat-em-up episodes later on down the line, it's that's like, on that's there. one of the ones I want to highlight. I'll go with, uh, I'm saving the story, because when we do a beat-em-up episode, I'll definitely talk about the story on that one. Because it's a pretty interesting yeah. story and concept. I actually read the first Spawn comic I've ever read in my life today. Before we recorded, I read the Spawn I need to Batman. Re- I need to read it. Yeah, it's the second version, because there is another one, Frank Miller yeah, there's an older and Tom one. McFarlane. But this is the newer one that came out uh, December. Uh, Batman yeah. versus Spawn. Oh, but I, yeah, I love Spawn, but it's a pretty difficult game. That's like I said, a lot of it is that 90s difficult, but once you kind of understand yeah. how to do the special moves, it's just, you go through pretty easy, and it's, I, I enjoyed it. All right, well, that was our number 10 through number 6. So next week, we will be getting into the heavy hitters of the year, the top 5 from each of us, including top our games five. of the year. But for right now, Robert, would you say that we've handled it this week? Yep, that should pretty much handle our top 10 through 6. Alright, so like I said, next week, our top 5 games of the year. But for right now, we want to thank you so much for listening. Uh, Please follow us on Twitter, at MarkersOnTheMap. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, leave a 5-star rating and review, download an episode, and subscribe. If you don't listen on Apple, we're on Google and Spotify Podcasts. Uh, And before we go, I had a few things to say. First off, Happy New Year from Markers on the Map. And mm-hmm. second off, uh, you know, Ellie, we really are the Neo. The world ends with you. And we will see you guys next week. Bye. Later.